It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to the PowerMizzou.com podcast, bi-week edition, which means it is me, Gabe DeArmond, and Brian Austin just kind of, uh, you know, unloading on you guys for a little while. And no loss for the Mizzou Tiger football team. Absolutely. Um, Missouri will, they won't beat bi, but but I don't think they'll lose to them. They shouldn't. If they do, it's uh, time to fire Barry Odom. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it, it, if they're one and four after this week, boy, you got some real problems. Uh, coming up in a few minutes, I did have a chance to sit down one on one with Jim Sterk. Uh, it, it is an interview that was recorded last Friday. We'll uh, we'll get to that. We'll play that for you guys as part of this podcast in a little bit. But first, just kind of uh, Brian and I's thoughts on on where things stand and. Uh, I, wherever things stood last week, they just like stand there, except it was reinforced. Right. Yeah. It's just standing firmer, standing more mm-hmm. firmly. Um, the offense is worse than you expected. The defense is kind of like as you bad thought. as you yeah. expected. The worst, like yeah, as bad as you expected. The worst kind of worst case scenario again for them there. Uh, it's it's crazy. The I just I know it was talked about in different areas. You can't always expect people to improve from one season to the other, but. It is surprising to see this offense pretty much regress from the end of the season to where they are now. And and the reasons, it just seems like the offensive line isn't playing as well as they did last year. They're, the wide receivers are kind of back in that trend where they're not able to get away from people and make plays. And I don't know. It's it's If they get going again in the second half, you're going to wonder why are they having this issue to where the first half of the seasons they can't get their offense working in the second half. They're able to get it going a little bit anyways. And like the reason to me is real simple. Because we did this same thing last offseason with the defense. Well, we know the defense is going to be good. Mm-hmm. It, well, this year it was we know the offense is going to be good. But when you say that, you're saying, well, they bring back all these guys and just assuming all these guys are going to be better. Right. Who on this offense right now is a better player than he was late last season? Nobody's playing better. That's right. Sure. Not anyone. Right. There is not one guy who is better than he was like? I mean, I think Drew Locke is, I don't know, probably about the same. Crockett's. Demaria Crockett's about, about the, the same. same. Yeah. Um, Mon Moore is probably less productive. Uh, Jonathan Johnson, I guess you could argue, is a better player than he was last year, but not like to the point where it's making this huge impact. Right, he's the worst punt returner. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the tight ends are the same. Yeah, Demetrius Mason's pretty much the same. He still dropped some that he shouldn't. Right. Emmanuel Hall still looks like... If you'd give him more opportunities, maybe he can make some plays for you, but he doesn't get that many opportunities. Um, and we do this with every team. Like, And I know we're not supposed to talk about the Chicago Cubs on this podcast, <laughs> but like, so the, the whole story after they win the World Series last year is, oh my God, there's this dynasty. They're all 24 years old and, and they're going to be great because they're just going to get better and better and better. And now all of a sudden, the Cubs aren't nearly as good as they were last year. Because guess what? Guys don't just go out. If if everybody got better every season, all you would have to do is keep guys, and eventually you'd be great all the time. Right, yeah. It's, it's For whatever reason, people take a step back occasionally or, or <laughs> right. just stay the same. Or maybe is, what they played last year at the end of the year is the best that offense could ever be. Mm-hmm. And at then it was, it was okay, but it, was it wasn't okay. great. Yeah. Right. So, and, and yeah, like you said, I mean, the defense – Hey, I don't know that it's a lot worse than we expected. It it's probably the same, I mean, but it, it was always the idea that that was going to be the issue with the team, and if right. maybe they played as well as they could. They could hold teams to three. They could lose thirty. They could yeah. win thirty five, thirty one. Right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they're not even quite that good. But the, the real issue is obviously the offense and not and, being productive. Yeah, and I have a hard time judging this offense because these last two games, like. How do you judge anything? They've been over eight minutes in. Like, the games have been over right. eight minutes in. So, I don't judge anything after the last 52 minutes or just let's find out how bad it's going to be. And I think we're at the point where all that matters now, like, get to the next game. We have to see this team play a game mm-hmm. that is not even a win, just competitive. And I think there's a chance they could do that in Kentucky. Kentucky's not great. I mean, they're not bad. They're not as bad as Missouri. But right. if – I mean, a few things go their way. I don't. But we thought that would happen against South Carolina. Then we thought, okay, well, it'll happen against Purdue. Well, they hung for pretty much three quarters with South Carolina, right? Right. Um, But then, and then we, but but they didn't play well. 
No. Would you agree? No, not not particularly. Right. No. right. So it, so we are four games in, and I haven't seen Missouri play well. The thing I kind of fall back on, I guess, is last year. This, it, I mean, it's the same kind of they. It was really bad at the beginning. They started to kind of get better, and towards the end, you're like, okay, they're making progress. If I mean, you wouldn't think right. they'd go through that same exact script in their second year, but maybe they are. And, maybe they're gonna figure something out a little bit this week and start to look a little bit competitive, and then by the end of the year playing a little bit better but the problem is if they do that they end this year in the same spot they ended last year like we're almost to the point where we have to admit it's not possible to improve on last year like you might get back to the same point you were after the Arkansas game Mm -hmm. last year but seeing them be ahead of that is it's hard to see well the way I looked at it they they have to split October obviously you gotta they gotta figure out a way to win that game at Connecticut in the oh they gotta beat Idaho at home yeah and then all right you lose at Kentucky you lose at Georgia and then you're going into that stretch run in November you got three wins you got what Florida Tennessee Vandy and Arkansas right? right and none of them are great teams and if if there's but all are better than Missouri right right now yeah definitely yeah but you're giving yourself a chance to at least have a run. Last year they played their best football in November. Maybe they can figure that out again. And I think it's Tennessee and Florida at home and Vandy and Arkansas on the road, right? Is that correct? Yes. So, and, and I think the bare minimum for us to not be talking about, okay, who's covering basketball and who's covering a coaching search right. is you have to beat UConn and Idaho. Right. Like that's, that's not a question. You have to win those two games. And then at a minimum, You've got to find one more. Right. And I'm not telling you at 4-8 and eight that he wouldn't be fired, but that's the minimum where I'll entertain the fact he's back next year. Right. Yeah, and and although they haven't shown any signs that they they can get it done, I mean, it was kind of the same. Like I keep going back on that. This is how it felt last year watching mm-hmm. this team, and they found out a way to beat Vanderbilt. They beat Arkansas at home, which no one gave them a chance to do. Um, I don't, We'll see. I don't know. And – it really, we're, we're kind of guessing here because, look, all we really have to go on is what they're saying. Right. And what they're saying is, we're all on board. We've got great leadership. The locker room's good. Like, I'll be honest, it's really hard for me to believe that's the truth, but that's what they're saying. Well, I mean, I can't believe they have great senior leadership. I know they seem like they have some decent seniors on the team, some good guys, but they just don't strike There's a difference as... between being a good guy and a good leader. Right, exactly. I mean— Thinking teams in the past, I know like Lorenzo Williams was a guy I know you always heard about being a good leader. Martin Rucker, Pig Brown, yeah, guys like that. I don't know. Jason Reese seems like a good guy, a nice kid, but I don't know. It just you never hear anybody else who's, talking about. Who's the guy that walks in that room and says, "Guys, this crap is stopping." Right, like this is Bobby Miller apparently. Right, who then breaks his leg the next day <laughs> in practice, which is a little bit emblematic of this season. So we've talked a ton about it, but um. And, again, more words that really don't mean anything. Mm-hmm. But just kind of quick thoughts before we, we talk to Jim Stark. Quick thoughts on, like, that turnaround comment really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Yeah, it did. I don't know. I mean, when I think college football is a turnaround every year pretty much. I mean, you lose so many players every season to graduation. You're talking about almost a quarter of your roster turns over every year. This one yeah. – I mean, they brought tell, it back a lot on offense, but... Tell me if I'm overreacting and parsing words here. If he'd said, this is a rebuild, I think it's okay. A turnaround indicates to me, like, this is totally going in the wrong direction, and we have to change everything. Turnaround is more severe than rebuild to me. Uh, yeah, I didn't take it that way, but I guess it's just the way different right. people interpret And so maybe it. I'm overreacting right. there. I kind of thought of it more along the line as rebuild. Every year you rebuild, there's two or three classes that have had some issues. It's pretty well documented. They've yeah. lost a ton of players. Players have A lot of those were the coaching staff's choice. Right. The, a lot of those guys who left were either kicked off or, yeah, it's fine if you transfer. We'd be okay with that. Which goes back to the recruiting then wasn't good enough because they weren't identifying pay players that could make an impact and – I mean, this staff had something to do with – I know Coach Odom was around in 2015, yeah. so he's been recruiting here for a little while. But, I mean, when you're – at programs like Missouri, if you don't have guys in your juniors and senior classes that are kind of leading the way for you, you're going to be in trouble. It, they just don't recruit enough players yet at this point that I can remember that are 
ready to step in and say, all right, this is my program. I'm only a sophomore, but right. let's do this. And and I'm not on board with the Kim Anderson and Barry Odom are the same no. deal, but here's the similarity, and I wrote about this this morning. How many times did we hear Kim Anderson say last year, there's just so much more that you guys don't know about that that is going into this? Right. Okay, if that's the case, then to me, there are two choices. Either you tell us about it, or you quit whining yeah, about stop it. stop bringing it up or right. explain it. So, this was a total turnaround. You guys don't understand why. Then tell us, or it doesn't matter. And fans don't care. Right. Fans want you to win games. And again, this is different if you lost to South Carolina in the last five minutes, if you just had a big play or two against Purdue... And, hey, Auburn's good, but you put up a fight for right. a little bit. But that wasn't the case. This is, like, non-competitive football. And so, yeah, if it's a turnaround, then how come you seem further from right. turning it around than you did a year ago? Yeah, I mean, what is it, what do they say? It's always darkest before the light. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what it, – It's dark. Like it's been really, really dark for a while here. And uh, it's just, I guess you – I've heard some other people say, I mean, it's just kind of the faith right now, thinking he can yeah. get it turned around because there hasn't been anything at all to indicate on the field. I mean, I think they've been doing some good things on the recruiting side, it seems like. they've, But it's hard but to tell. But that never saves the coach's job right. because, like, look at how many guys have come here that we thought were going to be good that exactly. weren't and then the other way around. Like, you can't say, oh, James Foster's coming in, so we're keeping him because of that. What right. if James Foster never does anything in college? Chad Bailey's a four-star high ready right. guy out of Texas. What's to say he's not going to be Trey Baldwin and leave after one year? I mean, Right, and we're not saying he is, but you just don't know. Right. So, yeah, so look, ultimately, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what mm-hmm. I think. It frankly doesn't matter how much Barry Odom believes. There's one dude that, at the end of the year, his opinion matters, for the most part. Now, do boosters and do other people have right. influence? Sure, they do. But ultimately... This is Jim Sterk's decision, and Jim Sterk kind of made the media rounds last week, and I did have a chance, and once again, I want to be clear, this was before the Auburn game, so you're going to hear Jim say some things about, hey, I expect them to play better this week, and blah, blah, this is all Friday, 24 hours or 36 hours before the Auburn game, so I, I want to be clear that this isn't brand new, like I haven't talked to Jim Sterk this morning, because I believe he's somewhere in Italy at this point in time, but I did have a chance to sit down with the athletic director, we posted some about that last Friday on Power Mizzou, but want to give you guys a chance to hear the whole conversation, so here it is, uh, one-on-one with Missouri Director of Athletics Jim Sterk from last Friday. I'll let you pick. So, Do you want to start with good news or bad news? <laughs> good. Good. good? Yeah. We'll talk about the positive stuff first. So, okay. um, I mean, just the momentum of, of basketball and everything building up to, to start in practice. Have you, has that kind of continued in, in the people you've talked to, the fans and, and boosters and all that? Yeah, it's, um, we've got good momentum. We, we could be. We've had an internal meeting about tickets and stuff, and we, we could be sold out season ticket-wise before the season even starts, so wow. um, even a month before. So it's it's uh, it's going really well, so the interest is high. Um, poked my nose in a couple times, you know, to watch um, a little basketball going on, and um, there is talent out on the floor. I, I want so I've heard. To know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, it's not a secret, but, um, you know, and how they, you know, pull together and develop as a team you know that's the unknown and that's that's the fun thing about you know intercollegiate sports and but but we've got a veteran group and then you got all these bunch of newcomers so <laughs> Conzo and the coaches have their job to do <laughs> when you say season tickets could be sold out like what's I, I know obviously you have to hold some back for opponents and single game ticket right so that, is there a ballpark number of how many you you guys sell that's a great question um, you know, he had it on probably a Brian White question. He had mm-hmm. it on his board, and um, I want to say about thirteen. I was going to say twelve or thirteen thousand that you know we sell, but then with everything, um, the band and mm-hmm. students, four thousand for the students, and um, so all of that, and maybe that's counted into that. But uh, yeah, but it 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 gets down to probably on a per game basis, we'll just have what's available if they're opponent if our opponents turn some back mm-hmm. or you know maybe during the holidays if the students aren't around and not utilizing all their tickets or whatever so but we'll for see. for the vast majority of games I mean realistic that that place is going to be full yeah yeah absolutely 
Um, and I, they're not the only basketball program. I mean, yeah. obviously Robin's coming off a heck of a year and, and yeah. a lot of people coming back. I, I mean, as far as that program goes, is that can they kind of, I don't want to say capitalize on, on the excitement for the men, but does that bleed over? Well, she's the most valuable player in this whole thing. Right. You know? so, right. so I've said that from the start. And, uh, but she, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see them. They're, you know, I watch them too. They're, they've got some, some talent and some, some kids that were sitting out. And, and so I think um, that'll, be a, that'll be a really, really fun season. And I think, uh, you know, she was joking, you know, yeah, Conzo just shows up and, you know, and he's <laughs> going to have a full house. And I right. said, you're the, you're the all-star. So um, she's she's a very good coach, and they'll have a very good team, so that'll be fun too. Yeah. Um, it, this might be more for, for Nick or, or Patrick or somebody, but do you guys have to be careful with, uh, especially with Michael and, and with Sophie on, on the other side too? I mean, obviously you guys want to get them out in front of as many people as possible, but let them be student athletes? Yeah, no, I think our coaches are protective of that, and then also from uh, media relations standpoint I think that that's something we have to balance you know whoever it is and Carissa Schweitzer you know she may not get tired because (laughs) she can run for days but uh, uh, she's uh, she's uh, she was our MVP last year and Mm -hmm. then started off fast this year and um, we're going to recognize her at the game this this football game and so you got to be careful and and balance it and be protective and um, you know what's what's good I think now they have a built-in day off, and that can't be media or anything, as you know. So, right. so I think that gives them a little bit of a break, and uh, for sure, break in their in their week. When, because obviously we talked about last year was a really good year outside of your two major sports. When one or both of those are are going well, what's the impact on say a wrestling or a softball, which when they're not going well, actually maybe get a little more attention from fans, but. Is there more attention when it goes well? I think more attention when it goes well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it it uh, it helps, you know the the uh, everyone rise. I think and and they're able to utilize it, recruiting weekends or kids that are interested, seeing us on TV. Um, you know all of those things that um, I think I think if you ask any of those coaches, it would probably. Uh, they would probably say the same thing, you know. Even though they might have a great year, but if if one of those two or or both are going, then it really, I think it helps overall. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get to to football a little bit, and I know you've answered some of those questions in the last week already, but um, just general, I know you mentioned back when the South End Zone was voted on, kind of some other plans going forward. I mean, where do you stand as far as hey? next project and and still focusing on that as well yeah so we're um you know we just met with coach Beezer yesterday and talking about the the field project and Mm -hmm. seeing if we can you know possibly get something done before his next season already right after and so um you know his top priority is is putting field turf for a version or whether it's um you know uh, one of the other brands, but but an artificial surface so that they can get on a day in day out basis even during the winter, and so that's that's important. Um, we're Tim Hickman and, and our our consultant HLK is you know does a master planning all the time, and so we're we're going to pull together a campaign that that really showcases all our needs, and so that. Um, you can it'll be a smorgasbord of you know what people could support and so mm-hmm. we're going to need outside support to get those things done um, some things you know maintenance wise we can we can handle but we're not in a position to to take on any major capital projects without outside support so right. that'll be important to do and I, sometime this winter we'll be getting that out it kind of I guess big picture and this is constantly a question at Missouri but when you've got this project, you want to put turf in, you want to do all these things. I mean, are you comfortable with the direction and where you're at as far as number of donors you have, the the amount of money? I mean, obviously, I everybody sh- wants to move up. Yeah, I could show you a graph, and actually, I used it yesterday again with the alumni board, and um, we're we have a we had a record year last year, which was mm-hmm. great in, in fundraising, and our annual fund is up this year. Um, significantly over last year and and um, 
but it it was with 7,900 donors. And so the average in the SEC is about 12,000, and at a high end, I think A&M's about at 18,000 annual donors. And so we need to build that base. And the, the same thing, um, looking at football season tickets, we're at about 37 last year. Um, the average in the SEC is about 67. So we've got room to grow, and I think we have opportunity to grow because of who we are, where we are, and, and uh, really putting an emphasis on outbound ticket sales. And mm -hmm. we hadn't really done that before, um, but but we're in a, in a league where um, there's some significant donor bases, ticket bases, and it gives them an opportunity to have more flexibility with projects and, and funding their their athletics program. So we need to build that base up. As far as the, the tickets do go, I mean, look, we all saw the stadium last Saturday. How concerning is that going forward? And, and I know that, you know, obviously donations is a significant chunk, but tickets are a significant chunk of the revenue as well. Yeah, and, and they're tied together, you know, because tickets, you know, with priority seating and all, so, so they're, um, they're, they're tied together. And so when we took a, 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 a pretty good sized dip two years ago, then that impacted us on the donor side too. So, so it's, it's, it's connected. Um, uh, we, you know, we, we have to play better and that, you know, mm -hmm. you could ask Barry or any of the players, we got to play better. And, and I think if we do, then that, 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 um, is the result is people want to, want to be in there. And we're, we're doing a lot of things, you know, around the game and during the game, you know, make it, make it entertaining. And the South end zone's part of that, of being able to create different experiences for fans, um, that want different experience, uh, you know, at a football game. They may not want to sit like you or I and just sit and watch watch the game. They may want to be in a social setting, and so we're we're going to create that in that that south end zone, so um, so that we can continue to to build our base of support. Um, I'm sure you've heard as much or more of it than I have since Saturday, but how much of in your position is probably you more? Uh, it, that's possible, <laughs> yeah. But um, but. Uh, how much of your job is you can't overreact to just yesterday, yeah. you know, and, and taking the big picture view? Yeah, and I, I think that's, you know, where, you know, I wanna, wanted to make sure Barry was, you know, it, it's, it is tough, you know, after a loss like that where you, you play. And, you know, I was, you know, once in a game where we were favored to win and we lost 64 to zip. <laughs> and and probably thirty of those points were my responsibility, and you know, um, so, you were a player in this yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so um, I was a freshman cornerback okay. that got sucked up every time on play action, and they beat me deep, you know. Um, and and so um, you know, the great thing about you know football is it teaches you to get up and and okay. The sun came out this morning, and you know we can we can go back to work and really focus and 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 this team you know is doing that, and I, I think there'll be a lot better um, you know game this Saturday and and the rest of the season. But but to focus on that, it was one game. We've got nine to play. Um, we can still win the division. We can still do those things that they were setting you know goals to do at the start of the year. And but. Um, we've got to play a lot better to do that. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm pretty sure you basically said, hey, doing anything midseason is, is not the way I like to do things. I mean, pretty safe to say that Barry's the coach here, at yeah. least until the end of the year. Yeah, Barry's, barring, our, Barry's our coach, you know, right. and, and that's um, what we focus on, and, and it shouldn't be distracted, you know, distracting for him or the team or anything like that. And they've got, they've got a lot of work to do, so um, that's the plan. Are you, um, I, I don't know, historically, do you ever get involved in, hey, maybe staff changes need to be made, or is that something you leave up entirely to a head coach? Um, most of the time, unless a unique situation, but I leave it up to, you know, the head coach, they, they hire and, and, and fire their employees. Obviously, I've got to approve both of those right. either way and at, at some point in time, but but usually coaches involve me as they're making a decision to do that. So, um, so yeah, I have to approve it. 
Yeah, and, and I guess that's... But I leave it up to the coach as far as their decision. I'm not going to say you've got to fire this guy or you've got to hire that guy because that doesn't work. Right. There's, I guess, been a little speculation and ambiguity with Damani's situation. I mean, when Barry says Jim was involved, I mean, yeah. that's Barry calling you and saying we need to do this. And yeah. he's got, you've got to be involved, yeah, right? absolutely. Okay. So nothing more, <laughs> more than no, that. Really, yeah, I got you. Um, I guess have you been? I know everybody over there seems to be caught off guard by how the season has started. Have you been caught off guard by it? Yeah, I, I think kind of surprised that um, of last week more than even South Carolina because mm-hmm. uh, I think we really, you know, finished strong. We had ten of eleven starters back on offense, and then to not score a touchdown in a game like that, um, you know, it was, it was kind of puzzling. And um, I think Barry used the term, he was surprised or shocked or something too. And I, so I, I think that um, that's probably the biggest, biggest. Um, would I have guessed a team would score 35 on us? Maybe. Mm-hmm. But for us to have three is not something that I would have expected. Right. The perception is, and I think it's, pretty accurate is that everything else kind of operates because of football I mean that funds a a lot of things is that is that pretty I mean I guess how important financially for the department is the success of that it's probably you know 70 to 75 percent Mm -hmm. of of the revenue is tied to it you know and and I think it's around 40 percent of our revenue is is generated from the SEC and the NCA um, share that we get, so it's it's about forty percent of our budget. So it's a big part. Contributions are about twenty four to twenty five percent, and then tickets around twenty. So and then uh, a few other areas, but but those are those are all tied you know, together. Big picture, how much have things changed since you know since you got into this as far as patience goes? And I'm not talking about fans. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, Nebraska. Fires the AD one and two is not acceptable. I mean, how, yeah. how how much have things changed in that regard? Just as far as how long people get. Yeah, I was maybe prophetic when I said, you know, I was <laughs> joking with the National Football Foundation luncheon, and you know, I said people asked about the hot seat in Barry, and I said, listen, you know, there, I saw an article where twelve of the fourteen are on the hot seat in the mm-hmm. SEC, and and just you know, that's kind of crazy, you know, and so and and then I said. And if you took a poll of you know some people online, that maybe fourteen of the fourteen ads are on the hot seat. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, right. And so, um, so I, I, you can't take too much into that. But I, but I do. Um, I think with social media, everyone has an opportunity to have a voice on a international scale. You know, so right. so it takes it to another another level. And and so I think. Um, you know, just a lot of times, you know, they're they hide behind a different name, or you know, or or uh, you know that they're not, right. they're not saying who they are and whether they're a season ticket holder, whether they're supporting our scholarship fund, and you know those mm-hmm. kinds of things. And so you, you know, it could be, you know, it could be South Carolina fans, or you know, be for all we know, whoever right. is making those statements online. And so you have to take. Take that and gauge, you know, gauge that. Um, yeah, it's a concern, um, but um, there there are people that you know that I report to and I you know I work for, and um, we want to make sure that those people are educated and understand what we're doing. Is there a and and I understand it varies by sport because generally the thought is takes longer to rebuild a football program than it does say a basketball program. But is there a guideline of hey? It takes at least this long before you know if you've got the right guy. Yeah, I, I think that's you know that's accurate. I think it's um, you know I, I, I think you're um, unless there's something you know crazy, it's 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 usually three or four years where it, people have said it's an aircraft carrier as opposed to a PT boat. You know, yeah. um, on, on a basketball can with a smaller amount of kid, you get three or four kids that that can turn a basketball program. Football, it takes probably 22 or, or, mm-hmm. or more to, to change it. And so um, you need, uh, you know, some, some of that. And, and uh, you know, I, I've been impressed with Barry. The kids, 
um, that are here want to play hard for them, and and so I I think um, they're they're collectively together, and and I expect them to to pull together and and play a heck of a lot better the rest of the season. Last thing on that subject, I know when we talked to you before the season, you said, hey, the goal is, you know, progress would be a bowl game and six wins. But Mm -hmm. I think there, just to let you kind of clear that up, there may have been an interpretation by some people that, hey, that's the standard. We've got to get to six wins. That that wasn't what you were saying. No, that's not what I was saying. I, I I was saying, you know, I, every year I always look at, Hey, six, you know, how do we get to six wins? And then you feel a lot better because that's a that's a an accomplishment, that's a reward for the team, and so that's kind of a, a level to look at. Did I tell Barry he needs to win six games? No. Right. I assume you didn't tell him a number. No. I, if you I did, you would I not never tell do. me that I, number. I would. I I never tell a coach a number. You, right. You can be safe in saying that. Right. Um, a big picture thing I wanted to, and I don't know how much you guys are focused on this yet, but a couple weeks ago a story came out about the NCAA was going to look at basically transfer free agency where you wouldn't have to sit out a year. Is is that something that has been on anyone's radar yet? Um, not really. I think I think there's a committee of the NCAA of, of members that are looking at and studying transfers mm-hmm. because – they, you know, they've been looking at graduate transfers because now there's a ton of those and, and, and kids transferring, you know, if they have a year of eligibility left and then they, they go somewhere else. Um, and then overall transfers as well. So we haven't, uh, I'm sure they've, they've got a bunch of studies and they're doing the analytics behind it. And we haven't seen any of that yet. Um, I, I've got a meeting in a couple of weeks, SECADs meet in Birmingham, and maybe it'll be it'll probably start to rise up on that, and and maybe just where what committees are handling it, and and then in January there'll probably be more discussion about it. But I don't think there's going to be anything eminent this coming year with it. I'd be surprised if it was. Did you have any initial reaction to whether that's good, bad, or indifferent? I I don't know. I I, I guess that my my decision is still out, and I would like to see, you know, facts and and figures and impacts and all of those things before I would say what I whether I'd be for it or against it. Um, you know, I, I can understand it from a you know a student athlete standpoint of of um, you know the the common argument is, hey, a coach can leave, mm-hmm. you know, on any given year. Now they have contracts and things, but. Um, and and student athletes kind of have the same thing a contract you know that you're you're coming to play and and uh, the coaches invest a time a lot of time and energy and resources into recruiting them and so um, each time you lose one of those it's it's an impact to your program and so I understand I understand both sides of it. Last thing I kind of wanted to hit with you obviously a couple weeks ago the AJ Logan thing happened with with football and that situation is resolved. So as a bigger picture around the whole academic investigation, where do, I mean, where do you stand as far as resolution or yeah, the process? Yeah, it's, um, it, it's still with the NCA and we're, um, I don't know, you know, a, a timeline I would, I would guess, you know, by spring that should be done. It won't be years and, you know, in, in being completed, but I, I think we're, um, we're continuing to work with the NCA, and I'm not sure the exact timeline, and, and I'm not sure they know exact timeline. Mm-hmm. But I think that's, um, you know, hopefully in the in the new year we're able to get that behind us. So at this point, you can't say, "Hey, we're we feel good that everything that's happened is going to happen." I mean, just no resolution at this point. Yeah, I think I think they have, you know, all the information, and then then it's just going through the process of that. Okay, so there's the conversation with Jim Sterk. You guys have heard some of that and, and whatever. We're not going to spend uh, spend a bunch of time on it, but wanted to make sure you could hear it. So the second half of this podcast, we kind of wanted to talk about what is obviously the major story in college athletics this week, and that revolves uh, around college basketball and recruiting and FBI investigations and all that. It's very timely because Missouri has its first basketball practice tomorrow afternoon. And Brian is going to be at media day. We get Conzo Martin and some of the players at 1230. And 
That's going to be real interesting because, look, Conzo Martin is clearly going to be asked about this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be interested to see what the directive is like, hey, ask the kids about basketball. You know, I mean, because, look, this is the topic, and Missouri has some kids, and I want to be clear. I am not saying anybody – there is zero indication anybody at Missouri is involved in any of this at this point. But, like, hey, they have some high-profile recruits who – know these kids who are involved with this, who played in similar situations, who were heavily recruited, like, I'd be interested to know what they all think of it. And they've recruited against those guys mm-hmm. that, that are having issues now. I mean, it's, I mean. They that, all run in the same world. Right, all these exactly. kids know They're each other. They're all together. The coaches are all together at these events. They're all crossing over from shoe company to EYBL to Adidas to Under Armour. So, just because people are hitting on Adidas right now, I mean, it's going to bleed over. They already said they're starting to look at Nike. I mean, it's the whole industry. It's just it's the way it's basketball the recruiting works. It's the way that world operates. And uh, I'm interested. I, I haven't read a ton up on it yet. I'm just interested what piqued the FBI's interest to decide, all right, it's time to crack down yeah, on this. I read a story, and basically one of the first guys involved was he – got arrested by the feds for something and then became a witness for them and started to have these meetings with some of these assistant coaches that were arrested on, uh, what was it, Tuesday? Uh, Yeah, I think it was Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, Yeah, so, um, I I mean, this is the system. Like, And as I said when this immediately came out, this doesn't surprise any of us. No. No one who coaches – in college basketball, who plays college basketball, who covers college basketball, none of this is surprising. Not the amounts, not the fact that it happened. And then, so there's a lot of, well, then how come nobody ever said anything? Hey, newsflash, the FBI has some powers the rest of us right. don't have, you know? I don't phone tap people ever. Mm-hmm. I don't know about Gabe. Maybe he does. <laughs> I if I do, it's not legal. <laughs> I know that much. Um, yeah, and, and look, and that's the other thing. Like, the FBI... Dude, they don't guess. Like, this isn't maybe some things are wrong. This is we know things are wrong, and we can prove they're wrong right now. And the interesting part now will be who starts singing? You know, who turns in other guys to maybe spend a little less time in a federal prison? It's going to be interesting to me. How far up into the NCAA does it go? Do they start looking at who in the NCAA knew and just didn't care because they make so much money off of it? What, and, I mean, it and again, it's football like, too. So when are they going to start right. looking in that? I mean, and again, like they knew, yeah, they had to know. If if you didn't like this whole Rick Patino, I didn't know. Then no. you're an idiot, and you should be fired for being an idiot. Yeah, exactly. You know. Now, it, also, the flip side of this is it's a little bit like the steroid thing in baseball. Okay, so Barry Bonds hit 71 home runs. How many of them were hit off pitchers that were right. on steroids? Like, I would be willing to bet that there is not a national championship basketball team in the last 20 years that has won that thing without having broken some NCAA recruiting right. rule. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I would agree. Some, I mean, there's so many of them. It, it's crazy. There ha- Little things happen, little benefits Right, here, and little, we're not saying everybody's handing cash right, to kids. Right, exactly. Books, deals with books, deals with whatever. They work things out for people. They hook parents up with flights sometimes mm-hmm. they do all these little things they can figure out to get around the rule and try to press it like oh this looks like it might be a loophole right. it's worth trying all they're gonna do if they figure it out and decide they don't like it, it's gonna slap us on the right. hand maybe a banner comes down right you know and but all people are gonna remember is those playing the game and winning they don't care if the banner comes down really i mean exactly and like we want to be clear we're not hey this is the fbi's investigation we don't know we're not singling anybody out no. i mean but there is not a high major college coach in America who's not sweating this week. No. Not one. I mean, anytime you're in an industry that's reeling in money like this and 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 doing it off the backs of people that generally don't have a lot of money in in their situation, there's going to be stuff like this come out. It's, I mean, it was bound to happen. It's just odd to me that it. Now they've decided, all right, this is the and, time to crack down on I this. I mean, I think realistically we're probably only talking about 40-ish programs because we're dealing with the programs who have pros. Right. Like, 
Nobody's trying to find that kid who's going to be a really good fourth-year senior role right. player off the bench. They're all trying to find the next guy who's going pro 12 These are all guys now. that are about to be pro yeah. draft picks, lottery picks, stuff like that generally. Which goes to why do we make them be here? Right. That's how you eliminate That's how you, this it. Is it's why not this how is you real. eliminate it, but it's how you greatly reduce it by not telling Brian Bowen that he has to spend a year in college. If he's good enough that an NBA general manager is going to pay him to play basketball, then just go let him do it. Or let him get drafted, let him get his contract, and let him play in college anyway. Like have some sort of minor leagues, I don't know. I'm, that's a little extreme and out there, but yeah. if he's not quite ready, but you think you want to go ahead and pay him because you want to put a reservation on him, essentially, yeah, let him do it. Let him figure yeah. something. There's other ways to do this in this system they I mean, got now. Yeah, NCAA basically, is just making so much money off of it. They don't want to do anything different. But aren't they going to? But, and let's be clear: this, this one and done thing. This isn't an NCAA rule. This is an NBA rule. Well, I'm. You don't think there's anything the NCAA is doing behind the doors with? I just can't believe there's I, not maybe, but like, how much better was college basketball last year because Ben Simmons was in it? None. N- yeah, not a whole lot. None. I, I LSU might have gotten a couple TV appearances. So let Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz and frankly Michael Porter Jr. let them go pro. Let them go make their money because then, you know, take. I mean, and I don't even want to use a specific name, but the number. 27 kid in the rivals 150 mm-hmm. is he worth a hundred grand to somebody maybe but i think it's a lot less likely you know so let the kids that we know are pro in and here's why it's more prevalent in basketball than football you can't identify that kid as a senior in high school in football not you, as easily no you can't pick that kid as a senior in high school and go we know in three years this kid is like a first-round draft pick, NFL All-Pro potential. So we're going to pay him to go somewhere that we can sign him to a shoe shoe deal three right. years down. You just can't do it as easily. The, the only position, I mean, maybe a little bit at running back, like guys like Adrian right, Peterson. Right, like Adrian Peterson was. And some of these guys that come back. Yeah, but, I mean, Trevor but Lawrence he, is the number one overall. I don't know. I mean, there's no way to tell if he's going to come in and be ready to. Right, like I guarantee if we can go back and find a number one in the, like, Let's just use Blaine Gabbert. Right. Like, he would have been that kid, right? Coming out of high school. Hey, let's get this kid, blah, blah, blah. Is a shoe contract with Blaine Gabbert worth a lot to a company at this point in time? He's a backup quarterback. And I don't mean to insult Blaine, but that's the point. You can't project that nearly as easily as you can project. Like, people were saying six months ago, if Michael Porter Jr. was eligible for the NBA draft, he's the number one pick right now. Right. So, yeah. Adidas and Nike and Under Armour all want that dude on their payroll in 12 months. You know, and, and again, let's be clear. We're not saying, in fact, I think probably of all the number one guys, it's far less likely that Michael Porter, that there's anything going on there because Missouri is just openly saying, yes, we're paying his dad $375,000 and it's all legal. Right. Yeah. They, they're they using the system that the NCAA allows that's legal, that other schools have used. That Right. That I mean, it's been going on for a long time. It that happens in football too. Coaches get hired so their kids can maybe come to and, that school. And until and, they say you can't do right. it, you have to do it. And there's not really any way I can see that they can say. No. I mean, if a guy has a kid, the, that's the <laughs> right. The only thing they could say is if you hire this kid's dad, this kid can't go to your school. Which and that, that and seems... then people are not going to be hiring people because they right. want their kid. And that's yeah, right. That it seems kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Look, this is going to be fascinating. This is not going to end quickly. I mean, Rick Patino is going to be out of a job in about nine more days, officially. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, I've got I've got a hard time seeing how Bruce Pearl survives with his yeah. job. I've got a hard time seeing how Jim Laranega survives with his job. I think Frank Martin is in some serious trouble. Right. It- People are talking about maybe Brad Underwood because Lamont Evans was with him at Oklahoma State. I don't know as much about that one. It's been talked about for a while that some changes need to happen with the NCAA and the Power 5 schools might be pulling away. Do you think this is the kind of thing that can really spearhead that and get it going? Or Maybe, but is this like an NCAA problem? Like the same thing happens if these schools pull away, right? Now, right. maybe there's nobody to say it's illegal. 
Right. Um, yeah. You know, but 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 again, what the what what has happened so far? These people are being arrested and charged with federal crimes. This isn't about you breaking NCAA rules. This is breaking an NCAA rule that also, by the way, you broke the law. So the interesting part to me is going to be, okay, the feds do what they do. And right Mm -hmm. now they're going after people. But when does the NCAA come in and say, okay, now Louisville, now you got to deal with us. Right. And now we get to do what we want to your basketball program. And I understand Rick Pitino's gone and all these guys are gone, but you were on probation when you did this. So what does the NCAA do to Louisville after this part's over? It'll be interesting to see. I mean, there's a lot out there. Do they just kind of roll over and say, ah, whatever. Right. Rick Pitino's gone. He's in prison, whatever. So we're fine. Just go. Or do they try to make a statement and like make a mark and show that, Right. They're still running things, even though the FBI jumped in. They're still the mm-hmm. ones that these schools need to be worried about. And Yeah, it'll be interesting. And um, Eric Bossy wrote a really good thing about, you know, what the potential impacts of this are. And what stuck out to me, and this is now where we go. Eric said 2018 is going to be the cleanest re- recruiting cycle <laughs> ever because if you got the guts to cheat now, holy cow, man, nothing's going to change your mind. So – do we get back to a point where it is a little bit cleaner for a while? Or I've even seen a lot out there that say the coaches who are clean are going to benefit from this because they're going to have recruits seeking them out and saying, look, you've never done anything wrong. You've never offered me anything. That's where I want to play. So I know I can play because Brian Bowen's eligibility is in question. Um, you know, I think Nasir Little's eligibility, right. if this stuff turns out to be true, could be in question. I saw his AAU team put out a release saying that they didn't know anything about right. it and they weren't. That's the statement you put out. Shocking. And, yeah. and look, I'm not saying Nasir Little did anything wrong or his AAU team did. Right. But every statement that comes out, like if we keep going back to Patino, Rick Patino's got to be the most shocked dude in America like once every three days. <laughs> Everything surprises him, and he knew nothing he about must it. Live in some castle up on some hill where he does not have any idea. He's got no cable. Like, no Rick, internet, do you have an internet? No man? cell phone. Yeah, he's getting messenger pigeons telling him that hey, <laughs> right. practice went all right today from the strength coach <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, but but so so are we going to see something where hey, all of a sudden it gets clean? Uh, but like someone's going to be willing to cheat right. fairly soon because people are willing to do. That's a what lot. this business is. This business being a college recruiter is let's find all the rules and then let's find out how to get around. It. Right. Because our job is to win games. We don't get paid millions of dollars if we don't win games. This kid helps us win games. We're going to do everything we can legally do. And then maybe a couple things we can't do. So eventually. Hey, you're going to put all these new rules in place? It's kind of like drugs in in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we outlawed this one. Okay, well, we're going to find another one. You know, so at some point, can the rules possibly catch up to the cheaters or are the cheaters always one step ahead? Yeah, they're. it seems like the criminals are always a little bit smarter, but then they always get caught. I don't They Right, but then a new criminal takes right. their place. They adapt quickly. They think of things and then eventually somebody catches up with them and then they change again and then they start all over yeah is there any chance that this is somehow that they decide amateurism in this level isn't like that's what's causing all this the idea that it could be but but i've had this discussion before here's my problem with that okay so you got to pay these kids right Mm -hmm. so you've got to set an amount that you pay them we got to pay every kid ten thousand dollars a year just to use a round number Okay, who's the first booster who's going to say, that school can only pay you 10, but I'm going to pay you 15. Right. It's going to happen. Like, I don't think paying the kids solves it. I, I really, I think, I think the best way to get around it just in basketball is the one and done rule's gone. Mm-hmm. Anybody that wants to is eligible to go pro. And I almost think have a signing date after the NBA draft. So you protect a kid like, Okay, Michael Porter we know can go pro, right? right. So let's say Jonte Porter thinks he can go pro. Or Jeremiah Tillman, and, guys right, like and that. And then finds out, I didn't get drafted. Now I want to go to school. Right. Then you have a signing date where they can. Right. You know? Yeah, it seems like that would work. I mean, give the kids I don't know a, if it would work, but it would be better than what we've got. Right. Just give the kids a chance to test the waters. There's no reason. I mean, 
there's no reason they can't go to these pre-draft right. camps and, and do all this kind of stuff and sit through the draft and then and pick and a like Major League Baseball, these kids can get drafted and say, "Yeah, I don't want to sign for that." Right. So if you're willing to take a kid who's going to be a really good college player in the middle of the second round of the NBA draft, then you've got to understand the risk that he might say, I don't want mid-second round money. I'm going to go to college because I think next year I'll be a first-round pick. Right, exactly. Like, why can't you – baseball, for all the crap baseball gets, it clearly has this figured out better than others. It seems like all the Olympic sports do a better job with Mm -hmm. this kind of stuff than the two big sports for – I don't know if they've just – And maybe it's because there's a lot more money in the two big sports. Right. And a lot more people care. Like – College baseball coaches aren't getting paid $4 million a year, you know, so who knows? We have no answers. (laughs) We really just kind of had a 20 minute, like, Hey, here's all our thoughts, you know, uh, oral vomiting. What about this? What about that? Yeah. (laughs) So, but Hey, it's, it's, it's all anybody's talking about. I'm glad it happened on a bye week because like, I don't know about you. I've been on Twitter like every 20 minutes, like anybody else get in trouble yet? You know, um, and, and I think it's going to be really interesting to find out where this all goes and, and interesting, again, to talk to Conzo Martin tomorrow because, look, he's had some of these types of kids. You know, Ivan, yeah, kid, Ivan Rabb, Jalen Brown, Brown yeah. those were one-and-done kids at Cal. He's got another one now. So he's been around some of this, and he obviously recruits in those circles. Right. And, and, like, I do think it's important to say this will be taken as a homer comment, but this is well before Conzo Martin was at the University of Missouri, I've been told he has a reputation as one of the cleanest guys out there. Really? I, I, I really have from a variety of people. And does that mean that he's never – look, I don't know. I have no clue. But that is his reputation. So I want to be clear that we are not trying to implicate that anything has been done wrong by Conzo at Missouri or Cal or Tennessee or anywhere. We're accusing no one. We're just kind of talking it out, you know. It uh. Stay tuned, man. Hold on to your butts, right? Yeah, no question. Stay tuned. Uh, So, bye week. It came at a a good time. Next week, we'll be back. We'll we'll, uh, preview Kentucky, which kind of for the third straight week seems like almost a make-or-break game. Like, at some point, they've got to do something. they got to at least look like an organized team for four quarters that knows what they're doing and – if they just can't quite put it together, they lose by seven, ten. At least, it, at least then you can say, "See, there's something that right. I can point to." Don't fumble punts. Don't right. get get a first the, down before you're down yeah. two touchdowns. Don't kick it to the best returner in the country and yeah. then get out no, of your lane or whatever. I know there's no some, more fourteen false starts. <laughs> you know any of those things. Um, and if you could come back for homecoming, not one in five, that might be good too. Right. That's a. That's the tough part about that October split is it's likely going to be two losses in a row, then two wins. And then you're looking at five straight losses in a row. That, I mean, that Idaho game could Dude, be a brutal crowd. For Idaho's I wonder really what the bad. lowest homecoming crowd ever is. Yeah, I don't know. Idaho's really bad, but frankly, so is Missouri. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, um, that's everything we can think to say. I don't know. Can you think to say anything else? Nah, I'm good. I think uh, everyone's heard our voices enough. All right, so Brian Austin, Gabe DeArmond, again, hope you enjoyed the, the chat with Jim Sterk. I, I know it wasn't the next day, but I think it's it's still worth everybody hearing what he had to say. We will be back next, uh, next Thursday on the podcast. And until then, I don't know, stay tuned. Chamber, Wall Jasper, Media Day, plenty mm-hmm. of stuff happening. Lots going on still. All right, we'll talk to you next week.